Hello, and welcome to our second episode of GMAC Club's Business School Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Foby, the CEO of GuruFi.com, partnering with GMAC Club on this great new process and product. Today, we have a great show for you today. I'll be speaking with Andrea Flores from IE University in Spain. She is the head of global admissions at one of the most dynamic and unique programs, business programs in Europe, and we're going to chat a bit about her school and the kind of student who thrives there, but also about how you should approach NBA admissions and the selection process from the perspective of ROI, that's return on investment, um, and how that idea should guide the schools that you choose to apply to, where you end up going, and even maybe whether or not you decide right now to apply to business school. And in our Consultants Corner segment, we'll be hearing from Sam and Nina, uh, two of my coworkers here at GuruFi.com, about how you should approach one of the most common and commonly fumbled essay and interview questions that you'll get. And remember, if you have any questions about the MBA admissions process or if you need assistance with any aspect of your admissions writing, be sure to check us out at GuruFi.com. Sam, Nina, and myself collectively have decades of experience getting candidates into their dream MBA programs, including the top ones in the world, Wharton, HBS, Stanford, GPS, Oxford, Syed, NSEAD, et cetera, et cetera. So check us out at GuruFi.com. That's G-U-R-U-F-I.com. And of course, for everyone who's starting this MBA application process, be sure that you check out GMAT Club. You're going to find a ton of resources there, really an unparalleled place on the web just in terms of uh, free resources, frequent events, FAQs, forums, blogs, free plot products, and a collection of experts from a lot of different companies that you can connect with. It really is unparalleled just in terms of the quantity and quality of resources that you'll find as you begin your application process. That's gmatclub.com. And let's go ahead and get started. I want to welcome Andrea Flores from IE University. She's the head of global recruitment at IE University. How are you doing this morning or likely early evening where you are? Yes, exactly. Morning for you. It's, it's more of evening for me. It's actually uh, 6.30 p.m. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for, for the invite. Um, today, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to share a bit of, um, of me, of uh, my school, and, and also to share insights that might be helpful for, for the audience when it comes to you know, planning uh, their education and the future in general. That's fantastic. All right. So the place that I wanted to start um, is your school has developed um, kind of a unique and, and in some ways pretty amazing reputation for its its take or its focus on entrepreneurship uh, and Correct. particularly kind of producing founders of companies. Um, how and why do you think IE University is so successful uh, in this regard? Yeah, I mean, I believe the 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 key aspect of, of its DNA is the fact that it was actually founded by a group of, of entrepreneurs, right? Um, IE's history dates back to the mid-70s, um, where Spain as an economy, as a country, was going out of a dictatorship, right? So um, after Franco uh, was taken from, from power, it, the, the whole economy and the whole uh, country and society went through a lot of, of changes. So um, this group of, of entrepreneurs and actually the actual um, acting uh, founder and, 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 and president of the university um, were just a group of, of young, uh, ambitious minds, I would say. And, uh, you know, they were 
have the, the, the vision or the goal of establishing um, quality business education in Spain and to become you know, a reference in that. Um, looking at, at a lot of the US schools and, and the business school approach um, that was very revolutionary back then you know, with, with multiple uh, business approaches and how the corporate world was changing. So they were definitely um, thinking ahead uh, back, back then in the, in the 70s. So I think from this, it evolved. It evolved and, and IE uh, University has been an institution that um, within the curriculum has taught its students to, to think this way. Even if you want to stay in the corporate world, um, having an entrepreneurial mindset um, will always help you to find solutions, to create new projects, to excel in the projects you participate in. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be an entrepreneur, but also develop that entrepreneurial mindset anywhere you go. Um, and it has always been part of, you know, the, the MBA later on, different schools of the university and the different programs, even in the law program, the law degrees, um, there's a lot of the entrepreneurship component when you think, you know, it's, it's very distant from it, but it's, it's a reality within the, the school academic content. So when I was reading up in, in the school and sort of talking to people um, who've gone through the program, uh, I was especially fascinated by two things that are connected, right? Um, mm -hmm. Area 31 and then the Venture Lab Accelerator. Now, Area 31 sort of sounds, you know, like NASA is involved <laughs> or something like that. Um, can yeah. you, I know that these two things are, are kind of connected to each other uh, and they very much yes. represent a lot of the best of, um, of what your, your school is about. Can you talk a little bit about uh, those two programs? Yes, yes, definitely. These are um, aspects of the entrepreneurial um, ecosystem and the entrepreneurial venues that our students have. And not only students, you can even, you know, be part of this and, and, and let's say be part of this, this ecosystem as an alumni, right? And um, Area 31 is like a, literally a physical space uh, where it's open to uh, entrepreneurs. It's open to uh, the community of entrepreneurs that want to have from a sharing space, a co-working space. Um, so it's actually like a physical space that is open um, to, to that. We have within um, the Entrepreneurship Center, the Venture Lab is a program specifically designed to accelerate um, business ideas. And it's a very you know, structured program that our students can, can uh, participate during their MBA, for example, but it's also open to other programs. It's open to um, uh, alumni too. And then let's say the, the, um, the final uh, result of this is the Venture Day, right? Which is where Along this program, those finalists are finalist teams are chosen. Um, you have from undergraduate students to to MBA students to it's like a big um, open scope, and then um, that's where they do the final pitches, and then the the winners are selected. And this happens twice a year at IE. Okay, so like once every semester, it gathers the entrepreneurial community, and and this how this is how things develop um, during the during the year. Okay, and um, with this in mind, mm -hmm. when, you, when you think about um, the type of student who, who will thrive, both in your program and then like coming out of it, how would you describe that type of uh, student? So someone who's thinking about applying, it's like, would I do well there? Would it position me for the kind of success that I want? How would you describe 
uh, and I know there's not just one precise type, but generally speaking. Yeah, it's it's a good, it's a very, very good question. It's a, and it's a tough one too, because um, we actually attract a very diverse, um, a very diverse audience and diverse type of students and, and profiles. And starting from their geographical location and cultural background um, in our MBA, um, we have around 90 nationalities in the in the full-time MBA program and it you know it remains the same for the rest of our, of our MBAs. Um, so I would say if I had to, to put it in in one type of student, it would be probably someone that um, enjoys or is at least curious or, or wants to develop their their mind around or wrap their mind around diversity around finding their own purpose because um, the program talking here about the full-time MBA, it also offers a lot of um, different customizable parts, right? From the labs that are hands-on projects, um, either if you wanna stay in the corporate world or you wanna be an entrepreneur or you're interested, there's a huge trend right now with our applicants and, and our, our candidates around um, social impact and sustainability, right? So we try to kind of give the student this, this perspective. So I think it's like a, a, someone that really wants to open their mind, who has a, um, a, a career goal in mind that not necessarily fits also with, with um, the norm, right? Out of the, out of the ordinary. So I would say these are the, the, the kind of students. We have a lot of students with backgrounds in consulting, um, in marketing, and um, technology, uh, finance, but we've had, you know, every year we have doctors, we have architects, we have lawyers who are also uh, take up a, a part of our, of our class. So um, I don't know if that answered your question because it was a tough one, Yeah. Um, but it's very diverse. It's, it's, it's a truly diverse class. So do you think um, just in terms of like the mindset of people who come in, is there, a sense that people arrive with the hope that they're going to come out with either um, a more refined version of like a business idea that they have, or that by interacting with people who share kind of their entrepreneurial engine, that they're going to find mm -hmm. those types of connections or those yes. generally how you would yes. think about them? Yes, yes. I think it's, that's a common, uh, a very common um, objective, right? And along the way, that's why you know having the entrepreneurship value is is very important. It's a, one of our main um, key differentiators, or it's within our DNA. But along the way, like I'm not gonna lie, not all of them become entrepreneurs, right? And and, and along the way, they realize what their career is. But at least the entrepreneurial mindset is something that you learn how to to develop. So. But yes, this is a very common um, goal, uh, the network, uh, finding you know, the possibility of, of branching out towards entrepreneurship. It's, it's a very common answer we, we find in our, in our candidates, yes. Yeah, and I, I had a conversation a couple of years ago with um, a representative at Harvard Business School when I was, I was doing a program there. And I remember uh, her, she was quite adamant about the fact that like, even if you don't think that you're going to found a company or you don't see that as your vision uh that mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial 
kind of perspective and approach to problem solving, which from her point of view was about finding ways to solve problems where you leverage the resources that you have to their maximum ability. And that even if you are um, you know, going to work in the corporate world or whatever, that those skills translate over. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know if this is something that you would, you would know, but in terms of the students that come through, do they find that even if they don't um, end up founding a company or, or taking a traditionally entrepreneurial bent, that they end up benefiting in some ways from having gone through that and learned a new way of thinking and approaching challenges? Yes, yes. And in fact, um, we have, like I mentioned before, uh, these very hands-on, very, I mean, they're directly projects with companies. And one of them is called the Startup Lab, right? And it's the, it's not the Venture Lab, because it's the Venture Lab is like a more set program, like I said, more open. But within the MBA, we have the Startup Lab, which is like an intensive um, month and a half a hands-on project and it's actually one of the most demanded one by students and let's say in a cohort of uh, 300 if you have uh, 150 doing the startup lab doesn't mean all of them are gonna go out to the job market and, and become entrepreneurs but it really helps them develop that thought process that experience of of, of thinking um, how um, the entrepreneurial mindset works and then they later you know, maybe it's the corporate uh, world and just apply those experiences to that. And I definitely think it's, it's important and, and they appreciate that aspect of the MBA, even if they don't want to start up a business, right? Because these are two different things. Uh, I want to transition a bit to some of the things that we talked about in our correspondence before, um, before you, you came on. And I'm really intrigued by the idea of ROI that you brought up now, mm -hmm. I imagine that if you're listening to this podcast, you know the ROIs, return on investment, right? Um, and if you don't know that, then you might not be ready for business school. Uh, <laughs> but from the, from the point of view of, of either like kind of approach to business school, selecting schools, business, um, business school admissions, what are your thoughts on, on ROI as a concept that people should bring into this process? Yeah, it's a, it's a very, I would say um, it's a trendy uh, concept right now. It's 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 a something that you constantly hear. But I wanted to choose this topic because it's far more complex than the financial ROI. You know the the financial definition of it, and and basically because a business school experience um, is is made up of so many different things that um, the ROI that works for you might not be the same or, or the formula let's say might not be the same for you than for me right so is it a good um, approach to take when deciding to go to if I should go to business school and where right because uh, this is also uh, a helpful um, way the the answer is yes but then it is valid if you're choosing the right aspects that matter most to you, right? So, of course, if we think of ROI, um, there's there's different ways to 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 put it. That when it comes comes to education, but you have, you know, that earnings premium that you are making versus if, if you were not doing an MBA versus what you were doing an MBA. So that's your your premium post graduation. 
minus the net tuition price, right? And you have to take into account if you receive financial aid, um, et cetera, plus any other cost that implies going to, to business school. So that's the baseline. But then what else is important to you, right? What are you letting go? What is your opportunity cost? This is very important to, to make your, um, let's say your, um, the formula that makes most sense to you. If you're looking at the, or looking at it as a static calculation, then you might be um, getting results that are not uh, according to your plan. Yeah, one of the things, you know, when I, when I talk to, to, to people, clients or just, you know, informally, um, the business schools, applicants or people who are thinking about applying a lot of times mm -hmm. it's just like they feel like look I'm on a career trajectory that I like um but I know that to take the next step that oftentimes companies will even sort of either formally or informally require that you have this additional education right and so correct they'll, they'll sometimes sort of struggle to um describe why they want to go to business school because it's it's for them at least in, in their initial thought process is like a two sentence explanation i work at company x i want to become vice president of whatever mm -hmm. and to do that mm -hmm. i need to get an mba um and so for them you know initially there's this very very um basic roi calculus that they're doing um but that can also be a little bit difficult for them to translate without some additional thought in terms of like their admissions process. Because again, like, you know, if you, if that's all you have to say about yourself, like, look, I'm just trying to, you know, take the next step. Um, and so how, how might you think about, you know, um, someone in that position to maybe find a way for them to step back and, and you can still use the same uh, perspective or metric of ROI. Um, but especially, like, you know, um, as someone who, who understands like what a business school can provide someone, what advice might you give someone who um, says, well, like my ROI is just super simple and, and I don't have any deeper thought than that? Yeah. And, and, and I think based on the cost that attending business school has nowadays, um, I, I think it's, I highly recommend to sit back and, and look at these aspects, right? For example, um, the, the first decision of, of actually going to business school has factors like, is this the right moment in my career? Or am I doing it because I want this um, you know, promotion or I want to get to the next step? So, but is this, is this the right time, right? I think that's a, a very important um, factor. And also one thing that we are realizing a lot with our candidates and we're you know, working on that um, is what is your purpose, right? And, and that's why I was saying in my, in my proposal of, of topic and, and how to um, evolve around this discussion of ROI is um, we're really seeing more and more uh, or the new generations coming into business school with a very strong focus on my purpose in life, right? And, and, and your life for two years or one year, depending on the, the MBA that you choose, is that, is your, your next step towards your education. So depending on this, your ROI can have different, different factors. So maybe a business school um, provides you with better networking opportunities to what you, where you wanna grow. 
Um, maybe it offers um, different, you know, career services. It offers anything tangible just beyond the academics or the faculty, or maybe it's the faculty that um, you definitely want to focus your ROI on. So I think once you sit back and, 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 and think of beyond that regular metric that we use, what are these things that enter your equation or your, your, your metrics also for calculating ROI? And it's not the same for everybody, right? So, but I definitely think having a clear answer to this is key because then it's gonna, you know, it's gonna play a role in your admissions process for, for business school in, in front of an admissions committee. So it's, it's a very good um, exercise to do. It's such a great point because you know if you if you look at like, like the history of business schools when they were founded um i don't know like the early mid 20th century is when most mm -hmm. of the united states sort of came out they were kind of like i don't know like like accounting programs on steroids they're they mostly focused on like management Bottom and like line. A, yeah like it mm -hmm. and and you know the idea of like what's your purpose like what you like to purchase is to be a middle manager and like figure out these numbers and like figure out how you can make the widgets that you're supposed to make that's not really what um business schools are anymore um and mm -hmm. this question of of purpose isn't it is is really interesting to me um because you know when you first take take a pass or, or you first think about the concept of roi right it's like this almost cold analytical concept where you're like look you, right. you have you have two lists you know like, or you know or you want to you know make make the square or whatever um the swat uh but, but there's also like the, these kind of fuzzier and warmer and inhuman parts that go into the formula um and so you know if if again, asking you to maybe give advice to someone who's thinking about this. And so um, mm. once you throw purpose or, you know, the kind of the human aspect, um, how might you advise someone to like weigh those against like, uh, you know, like business school is not cheap, you know, uh, and like, and That's how fun. do you weigh all of those factors together and, and, and take that into account? Yeah. Um, so I think, the um, each school has its own values and its own identity and also nowadays um i mean top schools and, and top business schools have very innovative programs have you know an academic offering uh, that like i was mentioning before can be customized you know you can probably adapt your mba um, to to your interests, but then there's a more like uh, a deeper understanding of the school you or the schools you're considering um, that relates to to the values, right? So I think that if you really want to to find your purpose or you really know your purpose and you want to um, allow your business school experience to to help you discover or, or get you into that journey. Um, then the values of, of the school are, are very important. If, if you feel identified with, with those, if you really um, feel that beyond the opportunity cost and the cost it's going to have for you, the financial investment, this is going to surround you with, with people that you want to be with, that you want to share experiences with, um, that you want to share ideas and, and perspectives, perspectives on life. I think, and this is when we come down to the network, right? I think this is 
probably the place where you want to be um, because it's gonna make that um, purpose easier to find. And also maybe you're not gonna find it during the duration of your MBA, but it's gonna set the foundations or the grounds for you to really come out of the MBA and, and work towards that, right? Or, or analyze the impact that you want to have on society, on your company, on your, um, you know, on your um, um, nation, uh, et cetera. So it's, it's a very, um, I would say deeper understanding, but it's something that it's not that business schools are wanting to talk about this. It's something that candidates are talking about, right? And this business with purpose concept, um, it's just it's just here to stay. And, and we're seeing this in all the challenges we have as a society, as, as a planet, when it comes to the environment, um, you know, to, to everything um, related to our economies and, and sustainable practices, social development, et cetera. That's not, that, that is not anymore um, distant, you know, to business leaders and to, to business professionals. I think it's getting closer and closer and closer um, every time. Yeah, and one of the things that, that that your points kind of make me think about, both in terms of whether to go and, and also which school to pick, is that, um, and I've, I'm not studied this formally, but like kind of my informal experience with people that I've helped is that there's, mm -hmm. there's kind of, there's sometimes a class of people who feel like this is a box I have to check and they're not really excited about going to business school. And when I follow up with them some years later, it seems like they haven't really hit the trajectory that they're wanting to, to hit. Mm -hmm. And then versus people who are like, I'm excited to go to this program. It's, it's a good fit for me. Um, and you know, like one of the parts of return on investment is like, what is the investment that you're making? And not just money wise, right? Like it's also, will you show up at a program? And like, I'm excited to be here. These are the people I want to be around. There's something I want to get out of it because I think of all the professional schools, business school depends the most on the kind of like the energy and the commitment that you show up with, right? Um, because if you if you arrive and your point of view is like I'm here to check a box so that I can go back to a company and then I, I don't want to say that you've wasted your time and money but you haven't gotten everything out of of this process um, that you possibly could and so you know like that is you know I would I have told people before like if this isn't something that you're that you're that you want to do don't view this mm -hmm. as two years where you're going to be miserable in order to reach some goal um, because unfortunately like, there are people who do that. It's like, I don't want to go back to school, but, um, this is a thing I have to do in order to get where I'm, I'm going. Um, so I, I don't know if there's necessarily a question in that, but do you have uh, like thoughts on, on kind of the approach, uh, to, mm -hmm. to business school with, with respect to like the purpose that people will bring to it and making sure that they find that, that ideal match and that they, they actually do show up with a desire to do and be something. Yes, exactly. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, having worked in um, higher education for the past 10 years and, and interviewing so many candidates and having the opportunity to talk to so many candidates, it's when you have the conversations and, and you, um, because for example, at IE, we interview, we inter interview everyone, right? So we, we think the interview part is like, key to really get to know someone and, and, and get a feeling right of, of what that person is here for. 
So it's in, in those kind of cases that you mentioned, it's very evident. Um, even people, not that they say it, but uh, you can tell. And, and of course, I mean, in the end, if they decide to do that and, and go for, for an MBA, it's their decision. But um, I think it's a, it's a very important aspect to consider um, based on the cost, not only in terms of money, but also in terms of time, in terms of, you know, maybe you're going to go back to your company and you're going to get that promotion. But maybe you would have gotten that promotion working two more years, right? Or, or one year if um, our MBA program, for example, is one year long. So, um, you know, what are, what are the, 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 let's say, aspects that you have to take into account when, when going to school? And if it's, if it's giving you these red flags of, okay, I, I, I don't think I want to do this, but I'm going to do this because I have to then it's, a, it's, it's an important uh, aspect to, to consider. However, that might change over time, right? And that's why I was mentioning before, the moment is crucial because besides work, everyone also has you know, their life outside of work. And, and sometimes we see candidates that are you know, um, don't feel like they're at the right place, but they still go into this. So my recommendation is to find that find that right moment, even if it's waiting for another year, um, and you know, and go into it like you said with enthusiasm and with the excitement, um, because that's how much that's actually going to be part of your return on investment. That's how much you will get out of it. Yeah. Um, do you have? Uh like a, a, a personal point of view or like a, a personal metric to use to think about what good versus bad ROI is? Yes, I mean, there's the purely, um, you know, uh, financial aspect to it, right? And it's how much I was making before my MBA, how much I am making and of course the, the cost and then calculate how many years it's going to take me to 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 repay that right um so in terms of ROI like strictly talking about uh, numbers um if you can recuperate that investment in five years is is great right um and this taken into consideration if you received financial aid that it doesn't mean a loan that you also have to repay right so it's the like the net um tuition price but also if it's again if it's 10 years but if it if it helped you find your purpose the impact that you want to have in the business world um you know it gave you a, a great network it um opened your mind in so many ways it allowed you to make a career shift because maybe you were miserable at what you were doing and you want to do something else with your life and the, the MBA journey helped you uh, with that, which is a, also a common situation. Then in, in the strictly financial terms, it might take you a bit longer if that um, to, to recover or, or return that have that return in your investment, but there's other intangible uh, things that uh, don't account for that, right? So that's why ROI needs to be seen as a, as a wider concept um, that 
can be evaluated once you, you finish business school, of course. Okay. And the, the last thing I wanted to chat with you about, um, do you think the business school experience can help you find your purpose or should you have a purpose in mind when you apply or when you arrive? I think it can help you find it, but if you already have it, um, you know, even if it's something, you know, more vocational, uh, if you want to call it this way, um, it can also help you develop it right so i would say make use of, of of this experience to not only think about career 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 because nowadays you know well-being is also something that a lot of people are more aware of um this whole work life balance is becoming more and more important and and companies are also realizing that um, you know, top executives are realizing that and, and we live in a society that moves so fast and it's full of stress. So um, definitely take that purpose opportunity as uh, an MBA student or as a business school student, um, just like you take the careers, you know, we, we have a strong focus on MBAs in, in careers and what's your next career move, recruiters, networking with companies. So yes, this is very important. It's going to help you land your next job. And that's, that's what you want to get, a, a good career outcome. But then it comes the, the other part, that it's going to define if you're going to be a happy professional, an unhappy professional, a fulfilled professional. So yes, I think it, if you have a purpose, it can help you develop it. If you don't, it can help you find it. But you also have to be open to to that and and to find it and to listen to others to absorb what you're learning to come with an open mind and and really find ways to um if you're lost in that sense to to define it what what do i want to get out of my next 10 years or 20 years in in my career um i just wanted to say that that was actually a really good place to end our conversation um i want to thank you andrea flores uh for coming by and talking to us uh and once again andrea flores from ie university um you have any big important dates or moments coming up yes well actually um we have i mean our uh, as from an educational um standpoint um we have um our mba program starts uh, twice a year so we have a september cohort and uh, a january a cohort that's fantastic once again i want to thank you for showing up um no, and and uh have a, a great rest of your day thank you very much thank you so much um Brian, it was my pleasure now it's time for consultants corner in this segment we'll talk to sam and nina two of the top personal statement consultants and editors in the business you can find them both at gurufi.com that's g-u-r-u-f-i.com Today's question has to do with the prickly question of how you talk about failure in the context of your business school application. Sam and Nina, take it away. Well, I love this question. Uh, it's especially a question for, uh, for me because one of my other jobs is to be a writer, but also to teach creative writing and nonfiction and for people to write about their lives. And 
uh, one of the exercises I'll do in a, in a creative writing course is I will get students to write down secrets on pieces of paper, fold them up, put them into a hat, anonymous, and they pass them around. And they end up writing about each other's secrets. And the exercise is meant to get people comfortable talking about the things that are difficult to talk about. And obviously failure is one of those things. And I don't think it's any accident that so many um, of these programs ask you to write about your failures because they want to see how comfortable you are talking about all aspects of your past. Um, it's obviously easy to talk about the time I had this great achievement, all of the things in your CV that are impressive, your promotions, your good grades, your sporting achievements, the time that you set up some charity and so on. The failures though are just as important. And um, what is important is to show how you are able to integrate them into the larger picture of your career and your life. So um, I think that um, it is a, a, a very good thing to be able to write about, um, but it's also tricky, it has pitfalls because um, there are some failures, some difficult experiences you've had, which you know maybe you don't want to go into too deeply. Um, you have to judge create a balance between finding that uh, failure that you can talk about and just discuss how you moved on from it uh, without revealing things about yourself that are not relevant to what you're applying for. Um, so uh, to take an example, if you wrote about, if you were to write about how you bankrupted your, uh, your, your, your boss's company um, by accident, um, sure, you could write about that. You may not want to, though. Um, um, so um, I think um, there's a, a quote that I, I like a lot from, uh, from Nietzsche um, that's often, uh, often cited. Uh, um, and it's become almost a cliche that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, and um, I don't actually think that's necessarily true. I think there are lots of things that we might go through that, that you know, won't make us stronger and we'll go through them. It won't kill us, but it will, it'll make us weaker. But I do think that there's a real insight in that idea. Um, and um, it's how can you um, uh, find a place for those failures in the whole river of your life um, and um, progress from it? Um, so, and, 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 and how are you, comfortable are you talking about yourself as a complex human being made up of successes and failures uh, so it's not just a you know it's a, a, an opportunity to not just write your cv in prose form but to show yourself as a human uh nina what do you think yeah, yeah that's great tim I, I i truly agree and I, i'm going to steal that writing exercise <laughs> in <some laughs> of my courses. um but yeah i love this question too and i think um the first thing to bear in mind is they're actually they're not interested in the specifics of your failure like this essay question is not about the big failure per se they are looking for 
your reflection on how you grew out of it, the lessons that it taught you, and also like this is this is a this is a question where they want to learn more. It's all about learning more about who you are, your character, your maturity, your self awareness. Uh, and here's the thing. If I was writing this, if I was responding to this essay question, to be honest, I would say something like, I mean, this is me personally, you know, but despite uh, all of my accomplishments and the successes that you can see on my CV, um, I'd have to say that my journey has been so filled with failures that to choose the biggest one would be quite difficult. You know, I think the biggest failure is whatever failure I happen to be, happen to have just recently experienced. And that feels like in the moment, just awful. Um, but every, this is gonna sound cheesy, but every success is probably built on 50 failures. So, you know, you, you, you want to show them that you, that you understand that. It's about resilience and it's about maturity. And, um, you know, I think back on, <laughs> I think back on, you know, when I was in high school, you know, failing, when I failed a, 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 a calculus, cast and you know I think I, I mean I was I was very 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 distraught in the moment and yet if I could speak to myself then uh, oh no you know what it was a French it was a French oral exam uh, and I was so I was so devastated and I think if I could talk to myself then and say Nina this this one <laughs> this is not the greatest failure and uh, when you will still get to Yale and not only that one day you will wind up living in France and you still will be failing at French, but it won't matter. <laughs> you know, it's about um, acknowledging that you need to strive, you know, when you're aiming high, when you're cons consistently challenging yourself, when, you know, when you believe in yourself, that means that you're failing all the time because anyone who is not willing to fail or, and doesn't sort of accept that and understand that uh, is, is, is actually not going to, move very far, you're, you're kind of going to get stuck. Um, and I think that with this question, you know, the, there's kind of a, a an acknowledgement, uh, you know, I think they're checking for that. This is, this is, um, it's about understanding that we fail throughout our day, and then in the bigger picture. And uh, so when you're approaching this question, I wouldn't get bogged down in the details of your, of like, oh, gosh, you know, I would, I would pick a big failure. I would not shy away from, you know, I wouldn't pick something that's kind of like a failure that's not really a failure. Like go, you know, go for a solid failure, but at the same time, you don't have to elaborate on it, elaborate on it too much. You only need to kind of introduce it, you know, just state what happened. And then the bulk, usually this question is not like a, you know, it's a, uh, you know, 250 words or, you know, it's not a huge, uh, it's more of a paragraph. And I would devote the bulk of it to discussing, you know, all what you learned by failure, this particular failure and perhaps failure in general. And it's, it's um, you know, there was a previous question that was about hooks. And, and I think you can also look at it in that way too, in the sense of it's an opportunity to show your, to connect with your reader, because it, you know, I teach a rhetoric course at Sciences Po, and there's a lot of crossover between what makes a great speech and what makes a great like essay or personal statement. And a, a technique of sort of all the great Aristotelian orators is, you know, ethos, pathos, and logos. 
and a lot in its you know common to open a speech with the ethos appeal, which is um, revealing your character, connecting immediately with the audience, and by and a technique for doing that is is sharing something, sharing a vulnerability, sharing a mistake, sharing a failure. Um, you know, I, I think of all these sort of big, you know, guys like Warren Buffett and, you know, and actually there's a famous speech by Steve Jobs at the Stanford commencement. And, and it opens with talking about how he like didn't, you know, dropped out, <laughs> dropped out of college or dropped out, you know, like um, your failures can actually be a moment to really connect with your reader and to just reveal more about what makes you special in your character. And uh, yeah, so that's 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 my take on this question. It's a it's a good one. Embrace it. Well, I love everything you're saying, and especially what you're saying about you know the, all of these failures that, that 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 you know successes are built on fifty other failures. And um, it reminds me of this quote from Samuel Beckett that you know, is also very well known of, you know, fail better, you know, and, um, um, and yeah, not needing to go that far into the specifics, but to talk about how, how, how you may have learned from it. And of course, um, to, to put it in, to put the failure into context doesn't mean that you should say, well, this failure led to some specific good thing, right, that, you know, I failed calculus, but then I discovered some other subject and then became a genius at that, right? Um, because simply the capacity to write clearly and honestly about your failure um, and openly um, shows that you've moved on from it and shows that it's impressive in its own right, yeah. Yeah, it speaks volumes. I mean, I think this this question is really just such a great opportunity to show your maturity, self-awareness, courage, and humanity. Once again, that's some very useful advice from Sam and Nina. Again, you can find them at gurufi.com for help on any of your admissions needs. If you have any questions for them, they can be reached at service at gurufi.com, or you can check out the gurufi.com website. That's G-U-R-U-F-I.com. One last time, I really want to thank Andrea Flores at IE University. Really a great conversation we had today. And of course, if you're just beginning your MBA application journey, or if you have any questions about what business school is like, how to get in, strategies, tips, tactics for admissions, the GMAT, all of that stuff, be sure to check out gmatclub.com. They have an immense amount of resources, frequent events, FAQs, forum, blogs, free products. They bring together admissions directors from top schools. If there's a great piece of advice that you can find on the web about business school and business school admissions, it's going to be at gmatclub.com. Uh, it really is unparalleled in terms of getting you the information that you need to succeed in your business school application. That's gmatclub.com. Once again, this is Brian Foby from gurufi.com for GMAT Club and the GMAT Club po podcast. Until next time, wishing you the best of luck in your application process. We will see you again soon. So long.